Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, sometime filmmaker, sometime podcaster. And uh, joining us today, he is the host of uh, the excellent podcast Evolution of Horror, it's yes, Mr. Mike Munster. Mike, hello. Hello, thanks for having me guys. Hey, no problem. And thank you for doing this, and thank you for picking a film that... I have not seen in a long time, and one that I was surprised that Mitch has even seen at all. Yeah, but yeah, no, one of the few, one of the few. Um, Good, I'm glad everyone should see this film. <laughs> uh, Mike, Urban Legend. Oh yes, oh, oh. Urban Legend, one of my all-time favourites. I think it was, uh, it was sort of growing up in the 90s with those 90s slashers, and uh-huh. you know, I think it was off the back of Scream, wasn't it? Scream in 1996 was such a success, uh, and it sort of it kind of reignited the slashers because they were a bit dead at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, and we got this new wave of these <laughs> kind of a bit. I suppose you'd call them a bit sort of vanilla. I think a lot of these slasher movies. I think a lot of <laughs> hardcore horror fans don't like them uh, because they are, I suppose, a little bit less concerned with sort of blood and guts and more about putting lots of pretty teen stars uh, all over the poster yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> of, of which Urban Legend was one of them. Yeah, very much so. And I guess it kind of and and mentioning kind of films that came out around about that period you, you had things like i know what you did last summer cherry falls and yeah i suppose also valentine which was directed by the same guy that directed urban legend i know now now valentine i think is truly bad there's i don't think there's much <laughs> there's not much redeemable about valentine but i i am a fan of urban legend yeah um, i i just saw valentine for the first time fairly recently and i thought it was absolute fucking mince <laughs> it was terrible, wasn't it? What yeah. a load of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Mike, don't know if you've listened to the show before or not. There is one thing that we make everyone do before we get started, um, which is that Andy is going to throw 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to count you in, and we're going to look for you to give us your best 30-second synopsis of Urban Legend. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So do you need a moment to gather your thoughts, or are you ready to just jump right in? Oh, I'll jump, I'll jump right in. That's fine. <laughs> okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so Urban Legend starts with a woman. Uh, she's uh, singing in her car, and there's a uh, killer in the back seat with an axe who decapitates her. And then we sort of discover that there's this this same killer is kind of offing teens one by one, all at this university, uh, all using kind of urban myths and urban legends as the basis of uh, their murders. Uh, so all of the sort of murders have happened before in books or in stories or, or whatever. Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good, yep. Uh, Thanks. Another top ten one, I would say, Mitch. Yeah. Yes! Finishing with four seconds remaining. Yeah, we we have... um, These have ranged from uh, people managing it, like, very, very detailed in, like, 17 seconds to people who are not past maybe the first couple of scenes when the 30 seconds runs out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, luckily, story is kind of thin on this, so it's going to take (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. But, um, speaking of story, we open on uh, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the film sets it stall out for me anyway, pretty strongly from the get go with Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart. Oh yes, uh, yeah, uh, not at all on the nose as well. Set no. singing turn around. <laughs> <laughs> I think like I also think that I can't think of any situation that isn't improved by the addition of total eclipse of the heart. Oh, totally. Uh, and do you know what? It's I, that song now. I can never hear it without thinking of Urban Legend. That's the thing. I, I make that connection in my brain every time I hear it now. Yeah, I think I probably will now as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's listened to um, a radio show, which we find out more about as we go on. Uh, all we know at this point is that uh, it sounds like the people that call in are terrible people. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but like I say, she gets a bit fed up of it, which is understandable. Uh, puts on Total Eclipse of the Heart and pulls into a petrol station. Yeah, and mm. then we get Brad Dourif turning up uh, weirdly 
pretty much doing the same character he did in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's, I tell you what, he's got a good, like, mad face, hasn't he, Brad Dorif? He's uh, straight away, as soon as he sort of pops up there in the in the car window and sort of thunder and lightning, he's just like, is something pretty sort of scary about him from from the offset yeah see um obviously uh, we that we know eventually that she goes on to be murdered here and later yes. on they're like oh they've already got they've got the guy that did that they've arrested the gas station attendant i was like he's an understandable prime suspect <laughs> yeah i would say so i mean i would go straight for him i think yeah <laughs> yeah um and also another one of the like kind of the way where it's kind of feels like the film starts to feel a bit 90s the first real indicator of that is obviously he fills up her car and then he's like, oh, you have to come inside. The credit card company are on the phone. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like being told your check bounced. <laughs> but I, I remember seeing this in the cinema. And I, I feel that the film starts out so strongly. Like it's, I think this opening scene's really kind of effective. And I think from this point on till about the midway point, it's really quite funny. And I remember the moment where, he, where she pulls away from him, peels away from, from him out the gas station kind of forecourt. And he shouts after her um, that there's someone in the back seat. I always remember thinking, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, it was a genuinely quite a chilling opening scene, I think. And, and again, you know, this movie, it I think it probably gradually gets worse as it goes on. But I do think, <laughs> I, I do think it's a really strong opening scene, actually. And in terms of that sort of glut of 90 slashes that we got, this is, you know, one of the one of the strongest kind of opening sequences in any of them, definitely. It's classic horror, like the thunder and lightning and the, the dodgy sort of harbinger of doom at the gas station. And, yeah. You know, and, and it's it's got, you know, a couple of, couple of surprises along the way as well so yeah I, i'm a big fan of this opening scene um i think it's a great um it's a great introduction to a killer as well you know how you see him kind of rising kind of like backlit by the lightning yes and stuff like that yes. it's really cool. what do you guys think of the, the the killer's costume choice the big parker <laughs> well mitch you actually said uh about uh, right maybe around the halfway point uh that you thought the look of the killer was yeah but i i i don't particularly like it um i can understand i can understand why it's there i think that like obviously the kind of the larger the kind of like outer wear the person's wearing it the harder it is to guess who it is yeah it kind of hides the gender Uh um, yes Um, yes that's true i mean the thing i kept thinking was i remember even at the time when i watched this it was what 98 uh south park was huge this is when when south park was just you know in that sort of boom in that first couple of seasons and everyone we were all like oh so it's kenny it's kenny (laughs) Um, that was quite an unfortunate uh timing i think i suppose so yeah i'd also read that the film was originally meant to be shot in the winter and that's why right. the killer was written to be wearing that big parka. But then when they changed that entirely, they just thought, nah, we'll just keep that because it's a, a bold look. And <laughs> it perhaps doesn't work quite as well uh, in the removal uh, from the winter. I like the idea that if it shot it in summer, the sensible thing to do would have been to change his attire to like a Hawaiian shirt and Bermuda shirts. <laughs> yes, exactly. And also just the fact that it's like some kind of... That, how how is it that it masks the face? You know, like surely we we should still technically be able to see whoever that is. They're just wearing a hood. You know, it's not really covering their face. I'd like to think it's like you know when you see a, like a bank robber that's got tights on. <laughs> so it's yeah. an identifiably human face, but kind of mashed and distorted in a way that yeah yeah. I mean I, that actually sounds quite creepy. Yeah, that's, yeah. Man, perhaps more creepy than the Parker. Already would look like yeah. a cross. Already would look like a cross between uh, Kenny and Squidward from SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a there's a new film. <laughs> it's a cross universe film you never knew you needed. Mm. Um, so we find it pretty quick that the voice you were hearing on the radio, the host, was uh, Tara Reid here oh, as Sasha. God, yeah, classic, uh, classic nineties. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. If if nothing ages the film more than Tara Reid. <laughs> Well, actually, the whole cast, isn't it? It's like Tara Reid, Rebecca Gayhart, that guy who played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Like, all of them. It's like, apart from Jared Leto. The Joshua Jackson. Uh, yeah, Joshua yeah, Jackson. Yeah, yeah amazing, amazing. He gets some great moments in this film, actually. He gets some yeah. like, proper jokes. Yeah, not to jump ahead, I feel like we lose Joshua Jackson way too early. I think that he is like a real asset to the first half hour or so. Yeah, I reckon he must have cost the most out of the cast. That's, possibly, yeah, yeah, at that time, possibly. at that time, I would say that's probably fair. But yeah, just shooting through the characters really quickly. Uh, so yeah, we've got Mike, you know, Michael Rosenbaum, yeah, um, as Parker, and who seems to be it's uh, Sasha's boyfriend, right? 
Could be. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. she's, she's always trying to get him to do weird sex stuff, isn't she? Because she's like browsing for the Kama Sutra and the library and all sorts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Her entire, yeah. pretty much her entire shtick is sex related. Is that a sex related radio show? Because certainly yeah. all the callers are in, they've got some weird sexual issue on the go. Yeah, like I think the, that's it. Like the couple that are joined together at the genitals. <laughs> no, and there's the—is it the opening scene you were talking about where the, there's the girl who's replacing her, her roommate's uh, birth control with aspirin or something? <laughs> yeah, baby awful. aspirin. Oh, yeah, awful, awful. <laughs> yeah, pretty dreadful. Um, like you say, uh, Rebecca Gayhart here as Brenda Bates. Um, uh, pretty telling some name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not for not foreshadowing in the least. Um, <laughs> Uh, Alicia yeah. Alicia Witt as uh, Natalie, who I think it's fair to say is kind of the protagonist of the thing. Yes, yeah, she is, and I think unfortunately she's probably the weakest in terms of the performers as well. Yeah. Uh, I was unfortunate, I think, casting her as the protagonist. That's actually probably fair enough, I would say. Yeah, yeah she's quite yeah. she's quite bland, quite saccharine. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I do not like Tara Reid, and I found her death scene so I, I couldn't care less about it. And uh, yes. it's so long and protracted. I was just like, "Oh, come on, just just get to the point with Tara Reid." But yeah, at least she's Tara Reid, and there must be yeah. something. <laughs> a, she evokes a reaction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Totally. She's she's right for that part as right as somebody can be for a part like that yeah <laughs> you know? yeah totally yeah, yeah. The ch- they, they talk about it in scream don't they like the blonde chick who gets killed second or whatever they call it <laughs> like you know like kind of absolute like a, th- a paper thin archetype character basically who is punished for being kind of sexually p- promiscuous and that kind of thing yeah absolutely she fits that profile like an absolute glove here <laughs> yeah 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 and of course let us not forget jared leto Oh, Jared Leto. Yeah, the ageless Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Crazy, actually, that he was, that, you know, nowadays you'd think he he wouldn't be uh, seen dead in a film like this. You know, yeah. he's too, yeah. uh, too re- takes himself far too seriously these days. But, yeah. yeah, I completely agree. But yeah, he, uh, here, featuring here as a roving campus reporter, Paul Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Love it. He is Love beautiful, it. though. Like, I, it, there was points during this, I was like, good Lord, he's a good looking guy. <laughs> He really is. He's got eyes you could absolutely get lost in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glad... I love how I wander around them. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that we've reached the consensus on the key point of the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hottest cast member, Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, right. Now that now that's settled. Now that's settled. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get kind of uh, this campus has an urban legend of its own. Uh-huh, yeah. That, um, that, Par- uh, that Parker's talking about uh, Michael Rosenbaum's character, the uh, Stanley Hall massacre. Um, yeah. And we learned that this is at Pendleton University. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> can I just talk quickly about Joshua Jackson's appearance in this uh, <laughs> and his uh, extremely dyed blonde hair? Yeah, very nineties. Very nineties. Very. Uh, yeah, I found it very jarring to look at his hair like that. I couldn't wrap yeah, my head around it. It looks like an albino. But so, so, uh, he had a couple though, didn't he? Because um, he was he had that exact same thing. He had that Eminem thing going on in Cruel Intentions around the same time. Oh, That's right, he did, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And he's he pops up for a very short cameo in Scream Two, I think. Do you remember Scream Two, where there, there's like a class of kids all talking about what what defines That's a sequel? Right. Yep. And uh, now again, when you look at that class, it's like half of them are now like you know well known names. But there's like, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller is there, and Joshua Jackson, and a bunch of other people. But yeah, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant, obviously, <laughs> and you know. But yeah, yeah, I think he, he Joshua Jackson was just everywhere at this point, wasn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Rebecca Gayhart also in Scream Two. Yes, that's right. She yeah. was. Yeah, very, very kind of random small part in Scream Two, but yeah. Um, after this, we get um the first kind of. Oh, well, I was going to say the first urban legend. It's not, but uh, they Brenda and Natalie have a quick round of Bloody Mary. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, does not result in anyone being eviscerated, but does result in them being jump scared by uh, Joshua Jackson. Yeah, Damon. That's how we meet him. And I think also shortly after this, when Natalie's heading back to her room, she also gets jump scared again by uh, someone who is credited only as Weird Janitor. Oh, he and he is terrifying. <laughs> that janitor, that was some excellent casting because that guy, uh, his face is enough to, to, to make you jump. That's the thing. It's, uh, he's creepy. Um, I hadn't seen this in a sufficiently long time that I'd forgotten who the killer was. 
And right. um, when he had been gone for like an hour and reappeared in the third act, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's definitely this guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I remember thinking when I first watched it, I remember thinking it's 100% him. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it would have made more sense had it been him and not who turned out to actually be oh. the killer. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think, you know, like that, that setting, that kind of creepy, the old Stanley Hall and the university campus, Again, like to stick up for this movie, there is something a little bit kind of cool and gothic about it that, that a lot of these like very trendy 90s movies didn't have. Uh, th- this at least sort of tries to give it a bit of a creepy atmosphere with that old boarded up hall and, and, and sort of a few moments like that set on the campus at night, which I, I quite like about it. Yeah, I agree. I, I would agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Something else yeah. is that ages the film, uh, the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love and it. again... A brilliant, a brilliant thing about the '90s slashes. You always get like a soundtrack featuring, you know, Blink One Eight Two or Creed or Sum Forty One or some. <laughs> yeah, and here we've got Rob Zombie, Monster Magnet, and all those kind of weird new metal bands that yeah. all kind of spiral around Daniel Harris's character every time she's on screen. Yes, of course. Yeah, like the goth character. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that um, every time you cut back to so yeah, obviously uh, Daniel ha- Daniel Harris here is Tosh, uh, the the, yeah, sure. <laughs> the roommate of uh, uh, of Natalie. Natalie, yeah, thank sorry, you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, every time we see her, she is uh, she's just kind of sitting there looking vaguely miserable on her computer, blasting uh, industrial or kind of alt rock <laughs> stuff, <laughs> and being like incredibly outwardly unpleasant all the time. <laughs> Yeah, what? Yeah, not not the ideal roommate, is she? She's a terrible roommate. I've been in scenarios <laughs> before where I've like fallen asleep in a room with my friends, and then perhaps uh, one of them engages in something that I would rather not hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you yeah, just kind of need to suck it up, and it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. And if you had to live with that. Um, yeah, it's pretty grim, and not and 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 she's not even apologetic about it, is she? I mean, she's a, she's. Pretty much an asshole. No, she's absolutely furious <laughs> when she opens when she turns the light on. <laughs> she is, yeah. Um, I know. And the fact that Natalie's like, oh sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah. Like, come on, go. <laughs> <laughs> um see, like, I think that like you get like two different sequences of her being in the room with Tosh in kind of quick succession. In the second one, again, speaking of things that date the film, I thought it was really funny when she picked up the landline and disconnected the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's something that today's youth will have no idea what that what that was about. Yeah, it's incredible. She went to, like it's just it's such a funny thing now to see someone have a tantrum about where she stands up and she's like, This is my phone line too and then storms out. <laughs> yeah, she'd have been using the old dial up mode and Yeah. <laughs> um Damon and Natalie head to uh heading back to the house at this point and we're in Damon Joshua Jackson's car I think that it is kind of funny that they, they, they do the thing where the Dawson's Creek theme comes on on the radio oh, that's God. very funny <laughs> yeah I mean again it's so it's like it's like the kind of the clever things that about Scream they've taken them and kind of pushed them too far haven't they but you know uh, yeah they're f- filled with like little nods and references these types of movies I yeah the, the don't tend to deal particularly heavily in subtlety either when they're doing <laughs> their, like, those kinds of nods. No, no, just blaring the Dawson's Creek theme and then him going, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's like, why are you listening to that anyway? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. Also, I get kind of curious about this because it's like, does that mean that Dawson's Creek exists in this universe? Is his doppelganger playing Pacey? Yeah, don't, don't even get me started That's why on they that changed kind of his thing. hair colour. Yeah, we had this whole conversation on my podcast about how in Scream, they all sit and watch Halloween. So Halloween is a film that exists mm-hmm. right in, in Scream. But then in Halloween H2O, <laughs> which came out around this time, they're watching Scream. And, uh, you know, it's like this weird kind of hang on. What, how can that be? You know, <laughs> <laughs> they, all, they all seem to exist and watch each other's films, you know, in these films. So it's very, very confusing. It's almost as if no one thought of that. <laughs> I know, it's almost <laughs> as if no one cares. I know. Just before we go too far down into Damon's uh, death scene, um, there is a pretty a, a scene that I quite like, uh, which features a pretty decent performance from Robert England and some pretty clear stunt casting as uh, Professor Wexler when he's doing his class uh, on Urban yeah. Legends. I really, I really like that scene, um, and uh, I think Robert England's doing some pretty decent work here. It's a, l- a less muggy Robert England than, I've s- than you generally see. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's the other thing this film kind of has going for it is that it's got a bit of kind of horror royalty in there, I guess. You know, Robert England uh, being part of this is great. And yeah, it's it's definitely one of his better performances. And actually, we didn't even mention, but even Danielle Harris, who plays the roommate, she was uh, famous as a little girl for being, uh, you know, Laurie Strode's daughter in the yeah, Halloween, Halloween sequels Halloween as well. Films, yeah. yeah. Speaking of bad films that no one really likes, you know, those Halloween sequels. Uh, <laughs> Parts four and five and six that everyone kind of hates and wishes didn't exist in the franchise. She she was the star of them. So, you know, she, yeah, they've, they've got a couple of kind of quite cool, again, you know, it's kind of nods to other movies and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think Robert England is, is really strong in this. Yeah, yeah, and he's obviously having a great time with it as well. Yeah. Definitely, I, yeah. Yeah, no, no way on more so than when he's kind of lurking behind that door when they're skulking around his office. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, what's he doing? <laughs> he's also kind of playing Xander Berkeley's character here from Candyman. He, he's kind of got the exact same class. Definitely, definitely, it's lifted straight from that, isn't it? Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, as you said, Andy, we lose Damon here, Joshua do, Jackson, yeah. which, like I say, I, I like gone too soon, in my humble opinion. After a yeah. scene uh, which features some pretty heavy nagging. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't get away with this in 2019. No. Ooh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. This is, uh, this is yeah, probably one of the more dated aspects of the film, actually, isn't it? <laughs> this kind of whole quote-unquote comedic scene in which he continuously tries to neck her in the car and won't, and won't take no for an answer. Yeah, yeah. He does get a smack in the mouth for his efforts, though. So, That's uh... very true. And then he gets strung up and hung by his neck, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> and that's the one thing about the slasher movies is that these bad characters get punished. They do. They really do. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I was quite pleased when she punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's the best thing she does in the film, isn't it? Yes, actually, on reflection, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're in the car. Uh, he nips out for a piss and gets himself strangled in the woods. Sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I like this death quite a lot. I think there's a, the, this is kind of multi stages, and the stages are by turns effective and quite funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like the kind of cutting between him being killed and her just sat in the car waiting, thinking that he's still pissing and all of that stuff. I mean, I do think again, it's one of those things. If you think too much about it and think how the hell has as the killer managed to orchestrate this rope going over the tree branch and how have they been strong enough to kind of you know set the whole thing up and hoist them and tie them to the car and everything else but you know it, it doesn't really matter it kind of works as a scene oh yeah yeah and uh it's all done in no time at all but uh, you're, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right it, it does work and it, it's great i like it uh continuing the the trend here uh kind of that kind of kick-started by scream i think uh, again of uh killers that take an absolute pounding because this, oh yeah this killer flies off the bonnet of the car and sp- clatters along the road and that was something that it's never it never comes back you never see someone walking around with a giant like unexplainable bruise on their face <laughs> and again i go back to especially when you find out who the killer is yeah. it's like you know is that person strong enough to have you know yeah uh, sustained all of those injuries and still be walking around looking as pretty as they are but yeah yeah her, that... her bones with a crumbled light ray vita <laughs> um I, I i think that like see once it's obviously uh the killers kind of hung damon uh with the rope and tied the end of the rope to the exhaust uh-huh. Um and yeah, the way that actually folds out when um, unfolds when uh, Natalie like drives away, which hangs him, and then crashes uh, crashes into a tree, then reverses, which temporarily incapacitates the killer, but also drops Damon's dead body through the windshield. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love amazing. that. It's great. It's, it's, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah, I think the fact that it's all kind of done so feverishly is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this scene. I think it works. Yeah, it's it's, uh, one, it's one of the better deaths in there. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I actually think that it's funny that after this, so everyone is, despite the fact that there has very recently been uh, this kind of fairly gruesome murder, presumably kind of relatively close by, everyone dismisses the fact that this might be a murder out of hand in a way that I think is quite funny. Like Parker immediately thinks that it's a practical joke based on an urban legend. And even when he says that, and Natalie perfectly reasonably and quite savvily connects the modus operandi between the first two murders, everyone still <laughs> thinks that she's talking complete fucking nonsense. Like, like no one did Like, it's completely dismissed out of hand. Everyone's... I know, because it's, it's quite specific, right? It's like, hang on, there's one legend about a guy in a backseat of a car and another one about a guy being hung by a tree and they both happened in real life within two days of each other. And everyone's like, nah. Everyone's like, oh, we don't talk a lot of shit. 
she's crazy. Yeah, it's like, it's like, see, if, if I was in that situation and my pal said that, I was I'm like, fucking hell, that's a really astute observation. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and uh, we cut back to Daniel Harris at this point, Tosh, who is uh, cruising for Goth Strange on her giant desktop computer. <laughs> Um, well, I reckon very unsavoury men she's going for as well. Um, it sounds like it, yeah. But like, yeah, uh, to be honest, in the late nineties, it would have been me messaging her. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was right. That was right up my street. That look on on uh, MSN chat or whatever it was. <laughs> Definitely, that was well. That was exactly what I was looking for when I was that age. Uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a very Windows ninety five. Uh, got only uh, dating site that she's using. <laughs> Um, uh, see, I have a question about this, and it's just because of ropey ur- urban legend knowledge. So obviously, she kind of uh, hastily arranges a hookup with a guy who uh, she bonds with over their shared interest in lithium, and <laughs> yes. um, and then he's like, "Oh, which room? Are you, which room are you in?" And he replies, "Been like yours," and then she gets attacked and um, obviously dies. Sure. Um, Natalie comes back while the murder is happening, but is like just assumes it's more kind of like angry sex, and is like, "I don't want any part in that." Ignores it. And then finds her dead in the morning, and written, written very legibly on the wall in blood uh, is, aren't you glad you didn't turn out the light? Um, turn on the light. On the light, sorry. Um, what are the specifics of the urban legend this is based on? I, yeah, I, I don't have the knows. answer. I don't have the answer to that. Uh, there, there is a, there's, a, there's a very brief moment, isn't there, I think, before this scene where she's looking through a book of leg- urban legends and she sees that picture of that writing on the wall That's right, yeah. as if to kind of foreshadow it. Uh, but I don't think it's a thing other than that, is it? I don't think it is a, an urban legend or, or, or in any way any kind of real story. I think they just came up with it and put a picture in a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair enough because I think that like, most of the ones that crop, crop up in here are kind of like established ones and ones that people know. But I remember with that one, I was kind of like, I wonder what the story is there. And yeah, maybe there just isn't one. That's true. Um, I mean, there's always been like, and academics have always gone on for years about slasher movies and how, and the connections between sex and death and how in, in, in Halloween, for example, there's like, you know, women who get killed, these teenage girls who get killed, they're kind of making noise, like almost sex noises when they're being stabbed and killed, you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of screams sound the same as sex yeah. noises. And, and the, the, there's always been people kind of analyzing that and talking about that. And, and this, that scene is kind of playing on this idea, isn't it? Of kind of sex and death being the same thing or being intertwined in some way but yeah as far as i'm aware there's no actual urban legend about it no i had a, i had i had a feeling the aftermath of this is great i think when uh the dean of the university and the uh, policewoman officer reese who presumably neither of them have any forensic experience but they both misdiagnose this as a suicide yeah. yes and, yes exactly and the enormous daubing on the wall that says uh, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light and i'm talking enormous these are like three feet high letters <laughs> Uh, it was referred to as a, as a grim suicide note. <laughs> I know, I know. That is reaching a bit, isn't it? It's an extraordinary leap. But, so like, <laughs> but I suppose as we um as we go on to learn, Pendleton University has a history of covering up these kinds of things. So obviously it's kind of silly, but maybe it's kind of on brand for the university to kind of maybe have this kind of kind of spurious sounding explanation or cover up for uh, yet another gruesome instance of people being murdered on its campus which is fucking outrageous it is it is again would never fly today but yeah it's true also we get kind of key uh kind of some pretty key stuff here or the beginnings of it when uh paul jared leto he's been uh busily kind of working away following some leads intrepid yeah very intrepid good word and uh, he's established the link between natalie and michelle who died in the opening scene yeah, mm. Natalie pretty unfazed by Michelle's death early on. It, you'd think if they were such good friends that would have hit her way, way harder. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, yeah, I, I think, again, it's Alicia Witt is is not maybe <laughs> the best at kind of portraying what this character is kind of thinking or going through. But yeah, it's true. Yeah, because I think that like the way it's framed, because I think that at one point, I think that Brenda asks her that question. I think she's like, oh, you know, like, or kind of why didn't you say that you knew her or something like that and i think that you're kind of supposed to be led to believe that she's kind of been poker facing it a little bit right Um, yes but i also think that if you actually watch back her performance i don't think that there's any real sign that she's doing that i just think that maybe the performance is just lacking in the nuance to really do that 
Yeah, I think she's no Nev Campbell, is she? She no. is not. This conversation comes right off the back of the scene where Brenda's in the swimming pool, and <laughs> Natalie's watching <laughs> her doing lengths, and um, what appears to be the killer or a figure in a parka enters, <laughs> and we're led to believe that this could be the end of Brenda here, but it, instead, no, it's just a woman who is only wearing a swimsuit under her parka. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, so many, so many questions about this whole scene, really, isn't yeah. it? Like, what, what's she doing? Why is this woman wearing a parka still with the hood up while she's walking through this, assumedly, you know, assumingly quite hot swimming pool? Uh, why is she only wearing a swimming costume with a parka over it as she walked across campus like that? You know, like, she doesn't even going on. She doesn't even have a bag. Yeah, <laughs> and her face is obscured, much oh, like the yeah. killer. I was just gonna say, yeah, Mike, that's such a great shout. Seeing nothing of anything else, why didn't she take her hood down when she walked through the door? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense either way you look at it. Like, why would she be wearing the Parker indoors, and why would she have been wearing what she's wearing outdoors? Like, it makes no sense either way. I, no sense. I've never met anyone that was so desperate for a swim that they just <laughs> literally walked in with a jacket on, took their jacket off, dived in the pool, did the laps, jumped right back out, park it on, out the door, and off, on with your day. Off into the night. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole other movie there just about this swimming coach or yeah, whatever she is. This lunatic yeah. swimming coach. But we do get a flashback to uh, Michelle and Natalie's friendship round about this point. Uh, and we know it's a flashback because uh, Natalie is sporting a tight perm. Um, and uh, yeah, we see that they were in fact involved in an ac- automobile accident um, based on an urban legend that kind of resulted in the death of a guy. Which is weird because in my research for this, I found out that Rebecca Gayhart herself uh, got nine months probation for killing a young boy. Sorry, three years probation for killing a nine-year-old boy in a car no accident. No way! I did not know that. Which is kind of—it's pretty eerie because they are genuinely like, "Oh, the courts were really lenient with us. We just got probation." Holy shit! That's crazy. That's fucking out there. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um. um. It's a good. I mean, I, again, I kind of like the flashback sequence. I like. I like the creepiness of this legend of kind of driving around at night with their headlights off and then following people. I, I think it, that's all kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I like this one too. I, yeah, yeah, I like that, and yeah. I, I like the way. Obviously, we'll get to it, but I like the way that they call back to it later as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. And again, just such a classic, um, you know, slasher movie trope all the way back from movies like Prom Night in the 80s where mm-hmm. it's always yep. like, oh, I know what he did last summer. You know, like kids that do something the year before or 10 years earlier, they put they, they pull a prank that goes wrong or someone ends up dead and then they will end up paying for it. I mean, it's like the classic kind of formulaic thing. Yeah, 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 totally. But like I say, I think that like it's it's done to pretty good effect here. I yeah, think, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, and... Already, you know, like, well, that's a kind of clear motivation. Uh, yes, motive. exactly. This is important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, don't want to don't want to gloss uh, too fast past the fact that at this point we've also got this kind of background investigation going on that's being mostly carried out by Paul and Natalie. And at one point, they uh, this is the point you're talking about with Robert England when they break into Wexler's office huh. to try and find some stuff. They find an axe in a parka. <laughs> yes i know i know i mean again it's like the petrol station bloke isn't it it's like i would put two and two together at this point i don't blame them yeah no it's like it's like i uh, the killer's signature uh signature attire and murder weapon are both there and uh yeah so like um, i actually think that despite the fact that obviously in the fullness of time we realize that wexler isn't the killer i would be like okay fair play but why do still you have weird. that axe there? Yeah, it's still weird. And he <laughs> says, oh, I use it to teach my class. You're like, but, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, to be fair, this is something I, I noticed as well on rewatches, that it's a different type of axe. It, is, it is, yes. Yeah. You're, you're quite it's right a kind of that, a double-sided axe kind of thing. Two blades uh, are, are the one that Wexler has, whereas the killer has a different kind of axe. So ah. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, that is, the, yeah, that is cool. I did like uh, when they find the, the newspaper clipping uh, of Robert England's involvement, or he, it turns out he was the last kind of surviving member of the, sorry, the Stanley Hall massacre. Correct. And yeah. the the photo that they've used is clearly like uh, Robert England back kind of when he was in, when he was Willie and V. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's exactly. like just a super young photo of Robert England that's just a headshot. <laughs> I, think, I think you look at that headshot looks quite a lot like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Oh my god, it does! It does! Yeah, similar. Yeah, totally similar nose, similar hair. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, like I, I, I that was the first thing I saw. But yeah, Paul gets himself uh, gets himself kicked off the paper for these shenanigans. 
um, uh, and goes rogue. He's off the investigation. So uh, he's, he's carrying out on his own, uh, kind of on his own steam after that. Despite yeah. doing nothing but tell the truth and reporting accurately uh, crimes that are potentially being covered up. That's right. That's right. He's being repressed. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Stifling those intrepid voices. Um, uh, one of the better, uh, one of the better deaths follows here around this time, should I say? Uh, which is the death of the dean, the crusty old dean. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's good. I like that. It's quite nasty, isn't it? I like it. It's. I think it's like it's possibly the nastiest one in there for me. It's yeah, my, I would say so. That's my favorite one. Yeah, you really. I mean, I, I, again, it doesn't completely make sense as to what. Yeah, you know, there's always that thing of like. When somebody's being chased by a car, why they don't just dash off to the stuck off to the side or yes. whatever? But uh, but you know, regardless of regardless of all that, the actual the, the spikes thing is 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 cool and nasty and horrible, isn't it? It's good. And and everyone loves an, a slashed Achilles tendon. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching uh, from my podcast at the moment um, zombie movies, and I just had to watch Pet Cemetery, and oh, there's yeah. a nasty Ach- Achilles tendon slash uh, in that the little the little toddler uh, right. who's come back from the dead kills uh what's his name from the monsters that guy but yeah that's it it's, it's such a kind of it's always it always gets you doesn't it that yeah. yeah we were talking about it in the pub the other night um and just talking about our favorite ones and stuff like <laughs> like hostel and the remake it's, of maniac it's genuinely yeah. true actually we're, sit- we're sitting at a table with four with, with uh, two of our friends and we did have like this reasonably protracted discussion about favorite slash most effective achilles tendon slashes <laughs> it's good isn't it it's one of those things it's all it's like um uh fingernails chipping off as well oh, that's always yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know stare of echoes in movies where people are scraping on something and then the nails come off it's you, like Ugh! you've genuinely hit on to that like i obviously we're all kind of here because we have reasonable stomachs for these kinds of things <laughs> but like um but genuinely what we've just mentioned is two things that are major buttons of mine like i really struggle with both of them <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I think that's so true for, for so many people. It's like it's these small injuries, isn't it? It's one thing to get beheaded by an axe, but I think you know, seeing somebody like stub their fingernail is somehow more painful because it's relatable or something. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Also, in a weird parallel to um, draw, kind of drawing a line between the urban legend films and Pet Cemetery, uh, Mary Lambert directed the third one. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I have never seen, um, but immediately want to see. Mm. It kind of inevitably at this point, we are headed to a party for some reason. <laughs> um, and uh, um, Natalie's kind of thinking about going home for a few days to kind of regroup. As she should. Yeah, which I think is a great idea. Um, <laughs> uh, Brenda, Brenda like, it would have been great if she's like, I'm going home to decompress and you just see a plane flying and just credits. Yeah, dub. <laughs> she just needs some time out. But no, uh, Brenda, for reasons which will become clear, uh, talks around. Yeah, we get a weird moment where uh, a man forces a dog to drink beer. Yeah, this poor dog. I mean, <laughs> this poor dog. Everything that happens to this dog. You mean party pup? As Andy has called him. <laughs> he's having a great time. Oh, the it's, poor thing. Certainly at this point, he's having a great time. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the party's mad, actually. It's there's, off the chain. There's quite a lot going on, uh, both in terms of like kind of general film debauched party stuff and also a decent amount of story. Or like not necessarily story, but you've got kind of like Paul picks now to kind of pull Natalie aside and kind of update her on his latest theory, which is about Wexler getting a job for life at the university as part of a cover-up of the Stanley Hall thing. And then fire into her. And then, yeah... <laughs> And then there's like yeah they have they have their kind of romantic moment Brenda storms out and stuff like that. There's like a lot of stuff happening in terms of both kind of visuals which we'll get to and also just kind of like a weird amount of story heavy lifting in a very short window of time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's true. There is a lot going on in it, but you know, and it's always again a classic kind of trope with these '90s slashes. The third act kind of becomes like a big house party in some way, and people kind of anyone who kind of peels off from the main party ends up being killed in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I suppose, I mean, kind of like as a trope, you can kind of understand it. You know, like you need to have like this convergence of elements for the story to kind of work and it's a fairly kind of it's like an easy way to just kind of throw all those elements in a pot yeah I, totally I, yeah i feel that this this film started to lose its kind of comedic edge by this point and it started to get a bit breathless and not in a not in a kind of breathless and breakneck way more in a kind of struggling to run with asthma kind of way 
Yeah, maybe. I think it. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of now it, it's kind of now bogged down in like okay, now we need to sort of get into story beats and the mythology behind it and wrap everything up. You know, it's like that kind of like oh shit, it's time to like explain everything and tie everything together <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah, this is like the only patch of the film that I find to be kind of laborious, and it's for that reason. I think that like the kind of I think that one of the reasons the pacing's been so brisk and it's been so kind of like light and entertaining is that they've been planting a lot of seeds that have kind of sprouted into a lot of things that they need to kind of unpick <laughs> very quickly very quickly yes. and i think that as a result it's like i think that there's maybe like a 10 or 15 minute window around here that is a little bit kind of dense yeah i think I, what what i like about it is that what i like about this whole film is is that it peppers in plenty of murder scenes you know almost every sort of 10 minutes it feels yeah. like there's another one you know when you watch other movies like like valentine and also i know what you did last summer there's a whole chunk of like an hour of that film where it's just them trying to uncover this shit mystery and nothing else is really happening uh-huh. and uh at least urban legend has got enough disposable characters that it's like you know in amongst these slightly laborious moments there's still always going to be another murder just around the corner and and it, it, even in this sort of third act sequence you get you get the dog you get michael rosenbaum you get tara reed all get picked off within this one sort of night this party and yeah and that and that is pretty rapid fire yeah yeah um parker uh, receives a phone call from damon's phone and basically the voice on the other end of the phone, clearly distorted by some kind of scream-like technology, tells him <laughs> yes. that he's going to die tonight and then uh, leads him down a, a road that sadly ends in the death of Party Pop um, in a really horrible way, in a microwave. It seems that dogs are not exempt from the rule of slashes where if you drink alcohol, you die. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's, that's a very keen observation. That's a I actually uh, like obviously like the the exploded dog in the microwave is a pretty uh, pretty unpleasant reveal. I think that the way that it builds to it is quite good. I quite like the misdirect when um yeah. obviously Parker is pretty sure that the urban legend that he's kind of uh, being kind of made the victim of is the babysitter and the man upstairs. And yeah. again, he's like, oh, it's the voice on the phone says, oh, it's not that one. It's the woman that dries her wet dog in the microwave. And I was like, okay, that's like a good misdirect, but I'm also not sure that's an urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but you know what? I forgive it because it's, it's gross. And at the moment when they opens the microwave door and you just see that kind of dripping blood from the roof of the microwave as if it's just splattered fucking everywhere is 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 horrible and brilliant. It's so cool that the way they do it with like how um, when he opens the door, you get the shot kind of from inside the microwave facing out. Yeah. Yes, it's exactly. Really cool. Yeah, it's really good. We get a similar shot in a minute, actually, when he gets dunked in the toilet. Um, and we kind of get one of those uh, shots up through the toilet water at him as he comes in, and there's oh, like yeah. there's like cigarette ends and stuff floating around in the water, and <laughs> that to me is even more gross than being dunked in the toilet. Yeah, it's true. I don't know how I feel about this kind of having the tube down your throat and poison and bleach. I don't know. I think they could have come up with maybe something better than this, but I get why they do it because it's like that's what he did to the dog or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Am I right in thinking that? It- while it's like Drano that gets poured in as well, there's also a bag, another bag of Pop Rocks gets poured in. Is it? That's brilliant. I've, I didn't I've even a, notice that. I've got a recollection of a bag being torn open and poured, I, cause poured I, in first. Yeah, I thought I thought that it was that as well. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, probably. It probably is a little little throwback. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I still feel like it's not particularly consistent with the MO of the uh, killer, but it helps a little bit. <laughs> I know, exactly, yeah. Mitch, I think you're playing fast and loose with this killer's MO because he's already killed a man with a car, he's hung someone, and while he carries an axe for the majority of the film, he never really kills anyone with an axe. No, except for it's the just Tara person. Reed, isn't it? And Tara Reed, that's it. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. I think, you know, in, if anything, the killer's quite creative with the way it kills, the way that it kills people. Yeah. But uh, it's a shame that there's not actually, and again, going back to the, the criticism that a lot of people have about this movie and many of the movies from this era is that there is actually not enough slashing in these slashes, you mm. know? Yeah, and there is very little slashing to be found here. You're right, though. Yeah, definitely some creative deaths in the mix. One that is not particularly creative, but uh, so we do lose Sasha, Tara Reid. Yeah, and a, and a very yeah. prolonged, I guess, a deadly game of cat and mouse match. Um, <laughs> yes, I think that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? Like a very kind of tense chase. Yeah, and I think we were kind of saying as we were watching it that like because we both find our character to be kind of unlikable, that's that chase is quite low stakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And actually, I think... 
to be fair, the, also the way it's shot and edited, it's not particularly tense as well. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's something about the way that this sequence is directed that is not... You don't really feel anything, or at least I didn't either, no. you know? Uh, yeah, it, it kind of feels like she could have quite easily escaped at any of various points throughout the sequence, you know? And it didn't feel like there was enough suspense or claustrophobia or anything. No, it's incredibly flat. Yeah. But yeah. that could also just be the fact that it's Tara Reid and... Um, there's a general ambivalence for most people surrounding her. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, um, once she is off, gorlessly, we never see her death in any detail, so uh, we're just to assume that she is dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty confident of that. <laughs> uh, fair enough, Mitch. Yeah, um, Officer Reese. Uh, finds her, and I kind of feel like we should kind of maybe just talk a little bit about Officer Reese. I like, like Officer Reese. I, yeah, she but she goes on to figure quite heavily as this goes on. Yeah, I, the bit I, the bit I don't like is there's a kind of a bit that kind of plays very heavily into black female stereotypes when she's watching Foxy Brown. Yeah, it's a little again. It's a there's something a little bit dated and a little bit uncomfortable about the way her character is portrayed. I think these days, totally. but but. This is no fault of her own, really, and I think the actress—I think the actress—does a really good job. I think she's really good, actually. She's very charismatic. And she's very likable. I, I totally agree. I think it's one of the in a like in a film that's full of performances that I think are broadly pretty good. I think that she's one of the best. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, so she she finds she finds uh, Sasha's body. She is horrified by it. We don't see it, as you say. Yeah. But that is at the end of a yeah a chase sequence that felt like I kind of felt like I was watching it for forty minutes. <laughs> um, Natalie kind of takes off at this point, doesn't she? They kind of like in fact the three of them escape. Yeah, but the the finger's been pointed pretty heavily at Jared Leto now. Yeah, he's been accused of being uh, like orchestrating the murders to advance his journalistic career and all kinds of things, which doesn't yeah, seem, yeah doesn't seem un- un- impossible. No, and I think he's the only character so far who we haven't seen pursued by someone with a Parker. Obviously, Rebecca Gayhart's <laughs> one was was fake, but I think that's probably why they planted that seed, wasn't it? To be like, oh, look, she might she might still be innocent because let someone's coming for her in the swimming pool, yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, terribly done, but yeah. Whereas Jared Leto has not had any kind of uh, uh, no interaction yet with with the killer. Immediately painting them as a strong suspect. Definitely. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, alas, no, no, not not no. at all. Um. Also, when they're getting, when the three of them are making their kind of escape here, we also find out once they pull in that uh, it's Wexler's body, right? Yeah, Wexler's uh, in the boot, and it turns up in the boot of the car. Um. And then yeah, Natalie makes her escape, flags down the car with weird janitor in it. And at this point, as someone who had forgotten who the killer was, I was 90 percent sure that the killer was going to be weird janitor. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a good. It's a good scene. This I like it. I like uh, he is creepy. And when she's in that car, it's like mm. holy shit, she's done for now. Yeah, I wish that character had a name. Yeah, like I think it's such a cop out to not give a character who has that much screen time a, a, a character name and just call them weird janitor in the credits. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And again, it's, it's quite a good performance. So, you know, yeah. he deserved better. Julian Richards is a good actor. Uh, he definitely deserved yeah. uh, at least a, at least like a surname, like a Filch from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, the film is trying really hard for you to think he's the killer at this point as well. Uh, to the point that he has a very familiar looking parka in his car. <laughs> Everyone, oh, yeah. everybody's got these fucking jackets. I know. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it doesn't even look that cold there. <laughs> they were trying to spread out the costumes that they bought for that winter shoot. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Um, yeah, at this point we get the callback to the prank that uh, Michelle and Natalie did in the flashback. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. With the kind of blinking taillights and the chase. So um, obviously at this point it becomes pretty apparent that the killer is not weird janitor because no. um, a chase could have been used. They run off the road. Natalie gets away again, follows Brenda screaming back to um, campus, back to thingy, what, back to the party, it? back to Thingy Hall, back uh, to Stanley Hall, Stanley Hall. Yeah, yeah. and sounds like a quiz show guy from the seventies. <laughs> Stanley Hall. <laughs> and here's your host, Stanley Hall. Hi, I'm Stanley Hall. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's killer reveal time at this point, and there is a lot to unpack um, and where this goes from here. 
most disappointing killer reveal ever in a movie, I think, probably. <laughs> it's certainly yeah. up there. Also, <laughs> also performance-wise, going from 0 to 60 in no time whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, none of it makes any sense whatsoever, but, you know. Um, Go on then, Mitch. It is revealed at this point that the killer is Brenda Bates, Rebecca Gayhart's character. And obviously, we kind of uh, we need to understand why. And we understand that the casualty of Natalie and Michelle's prank from the flashback was Brenda's would-be husband. She's prepared a slideshow. She has prepared a slideshow. <laughs> She's prepared a, a PowerPoint. <laughs> no settling. <laughs> Good lord, yeah. yeah she's... Uh, man, that's so funny. This was like, not uh... an off-the-cuff... <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. No, no. This, there, is, this was well prepared. There's a very strong AV element to it. I, I, <laughs> I love it when multimedia figures in killer reveals. <laughs> like, um, because I, I had the same thing with the remake of Old Boy has something in that that's absolutely fucking preposterous that involves uh, things uh. being projected onto a big screen. By um, and uh, the other one that always sticks out in my mind. I'm not going to spoil it, but the end of Shutter Island. Right, sure. When uh, yeah. there's the big reveal in the lighthouse, and it involves like names on a whiteboard, and yes. I always think you're looking at this like very, very old room in a very old lighthouse, and I was like, that is a bought for purpose whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh man, never mind. I did not believe uh, the character of David Evans, the dead guy in the car. Uh, I did not believe for a minute that uh, they were a couple. Um, Rebecca Gayhart and him from that photo, they looked uncomfortable. <laughs> and they did not look to be a cohesive couple. <laughs> it's yeah, I agree. It, it looks like that they forgot to take a photo of them together, so they photoshopped one at the last minute and thought, "Shit, put their headshots together," <laughs> which I always think makes it look like it has this kind of weird standoffish feel of a hostage situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to come flat out and say it. I think Rebecca Gayhart's terrible here. Oh, she really, uh, she really hams it up, doesn't she? To a, to a level that is frankly staggering. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, again, it's the Matthew Lillard from Scream. <laughs> That's what she's going for, I think, isn't it? And and, and failing miserably. Yeah, wide eyes, drool, pretty much the works, really. All the all the classics, <laughs> mad women stereotypes are coming out here. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I actually, um, I found this almost unwatchable. <laughs> Jesus. But, but in its in its defence, I do like what we'll probably cover in a minute the the kidney removal scene. Uh, I yeah. think that that's like again suitably schlocky and nasty, and I quite enjoyed that. But yeah, the the whole explanation leading up to it was painful. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, and I think that it is kind of cool that what she's kind of saying out to be this kind of like piece de resistance of this entire thing mm -hmm. is is kind of it's an urban legend and it's a real one. Sure, yeah, yeah, we've all heard that. It's, yeah. it's one we've actually heard of, yeah. Yeah, the kidney heist. Um, and yeah, I think that like at this like when she's kind of tied Natalie down and she's kind of stabbing her and slicing her, that's genuinely like pretty fucking nasty. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah agreed. It's the bit where she's like, Is that a kidney? Is that your liver? I don't know, I'll just pull it out anyway. And you're <laughs> yeah, like... She says whatever it is, I'm just gonna grab it. <laughs> But I love the fact that it's like, um, you know, you decided that you were going to do it through the kidney heist. You went to the trouble of doing the whole kind of PowerPoint presentation in the slideshow, <laughs> but you didn't look at where the kidneys are. Yeah. No, no idea. I, I find the line where she goes, I'm going to enjoy watching you bleed to death. Really, Jaren? I'm like, oh, oh God, that's, I know. That's terrible. Yeah, she, yes, I agree. I agree. It's delivered quite clunkily. Yeah. <laughs> it's written clunk clunkily as well, though. It's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, enter uh, enter Reese. Yeah, um, she's back. Got up against the wall, you loony cycle bitch. Um, <laughs> it's like a moment where they expect like the audience to cheer almost, isn't it? When she walks in like that, and you know, saves the day. Well, it's her Foxy Brown moment. She gets it, but it's over exactly. as it's over as soon as it arrives because she is uh, beaten and shot <laughs> and slashed, yeah. slashed. Yeah, finally yeah. some slashing. Yeah, yeah. Paul turns up again as well, tries to kind of like talk down uh, Brenda, tries to kind of like negotiate with her a little bit, try and figure out something that's like kind of mutually, ben mutually beneficial. By also this point, I'm really struggling with her performance. Uh, <laughs> uh, you've, been, you've, you've, you've been watching her in lunatic mode for quite a long time at that point, and there, yeah. there was an element of relief when she got shot. 
Yeah, when you uh, with this like kind of three person standoff between Rebecca Gayhart, Alicia Witt, and Jared Leto, it's like you can probably guess which one ends up becoming the Oscar winner and which two don't. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one hundred percent fair. Um, uh, she, but she does end up getting shot twice and kind of like stumbles out of a window. Yes. Do you know this woman? Um, even by kind of slasher standards, pretty resilient. Yeah, pretty durable. Yeah. Um, Very I ta- much. I take back what I said earlier about her bones crumbling like Rivita because she ha- she suffers a pretty large. She's been shot, suffers a pretty high fall. Um, they they decide at that point that she's definitely dead and leave, but they don't check to see if she's lying on the like right in front of the door when they walk out, which is where she would have landed. <laughs> um, kind, it's true. They kind of go for that. <laughs> like they don't even give you that. The kind of oh, is she alive, is she dead, kind of thing that you get at the end of Halloween. It's just like... They totally, no, they're over it already. Yeah, they totally gloss over it, drive away, but she's alive and in the fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you'd think they might have checked the back seat, considering everything they've been through. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely bonkers. Like, it? Yeah, no, there's nothing about what she's done so far that would be suggestive of the fact that she might be hiding in the back seat. <laughs> That's crazy, <laughs> but you know, you know, uh, you're right. She's there, um, and uh, she pops up. A struggle ensues, and then Paul, with what I think is a fairly impressive amount of precision, deliberately crashes the car, and she's thrown clear through the windshield and over a bridge and into a river. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very convenient. Yeah, yeah. Surely, surely she's dead now. Much. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. You'd think. Um... <laughs> I, I, I can't see how she wouldn't be. Um, well, because <laughs> you do see her just floating there for quite a long time. <laughs> however, yeah, however, we're pretty much done there, Mitch. Uh, yeah, basically, save for um, I actually, as a kind of stinger, I like this quite a bit. Yeah. I understand that, like, the notion of her getting out of the situation she was in is possibly a bit of a leap, but um, yeah, obviously, we close on um, this story being relayed as an urban legend at another university, Ashton University, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And you see everybody doing kind of like what everyone does with Urban Legends, where it's like, oh, it's my like old roommate's cousin or whatever. And yeah, we find that um, someone interjects, says that they're telling it wrong, and mm-hmm. it's only Brenda herself. Ugh. You know, like I think, that, I think I like the ending idea. Had brenda not been in it you know had it just turned out to be a random bunch of kids telling the story and this this whole thing had kind of lived on forever as an urban legend it's quite a cool idea yeah but having her still be alive and being there as part of this group was really yeah is is not is not great there's a bridge too far yeah. hiding her identity as a confirmed multiple murderer by having straightened her hair and applied a beauty mark <laughs> under her eye <laughs> it's foolproof yeah <laughs> And somehow getting enrolled again in another university. (laughs) The perfect crime. Tremendous. Um, And yeah, at that point, uh, curtains down on Urban Legend. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sadly. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting one for me. It's a film, like I say, I saw in the cinema and I remember coming out, I was just so jazzed and pumped up. uh, And I thought that was fucking excellent. Agreed. I had the same thing. Yeah. I think, you know, despite all of its flaws, and it obviously does have a lot, I think basically, fundamentally, it pulls off what it wants to achieve, which is that it's quite a thrilling, fun, silly slasher movie. Yeah. 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 And I think in the the kind of some of the titles that we've mentioned that came out post Scream, mm-hmm. I would actually put Urban Legend quite high in that list. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, I would. I think that, like, I think it, for, like, for as much as obviously we've kind of we've we've kind of dwelled on a couple of things that it gets wrong, but I think that if you look at it as an overall piece of work, I think that it gets way more right than it gets wrong, and I think that also as a whole idea, I really like it because the urban legends that they use that we know they're kind of like it's really grounded in this kind of like how you scared each other as kids and things like oh, that, and I think that <laughs> yeah. there's something about that when when they're done kind of particularly well, I think there's something about that that kind of taps into something a little bit primal and stuff that can be pretty scary, and I think that it gets some of that stuff pretty right, and some of the set pieces are really fun. Definitely, and I think there's this idea that like slasher movies in particular feel like they are. Even though horror movies are, you know, officially for adult audiences, they feel like they're for kids, really. You know, I feel like, you know, for teen, these are these are movies about teenagers made for teenagers, yeah. and like a bunch of fourteen, fifteen year olds are gonna fucking love a film like this. You totally. know, that's the thing. 
And I, yeah, I would absolutely say nowhere is that more true than with the slasher film that it feels like it's uh, intended yeah. for an audience far younger uh, than perhaps the age rating on the box would uh, suggest. Totally. Demand. I mean, it is like watching a, just you know an episode of Dawson's Creek with some murders thrown in, isn't totally. it? It's like a, it's just a, it's just a silly teen movie basically that that has a few jump scares and, and deaths. Like you know, uh, like back in the day when Brookside and Hollyoaks used to do like nighttime episodes where it all got a bit. <laughs> kind of exactly. ra- rapey and violent it's like Dawson's Creek yeah. after dark exactly that that is exactly what it is like, ba- it? like Baywatch yeah. Nights yeah Baywatch Nights exactly you, you and it fucking is. Baywatch <laughs> uh, that's exactly what it is though you know I think it like it knows who it's aiming uh, for and, and I think it gets it right for its audience yeah I've, uh, like, I, I, I enjoyed like I said I haven't seen this for a really long time I really enjoyed revisiting it today for the most part I had a lot of fun with it I have seen neither sequel to this i believe there's two urban legend final cut and urban legend bloody mary correct yes Um, have you have either of you guys seen either of them and are they any good i have seen final cut and no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay it it, it really goes foot like full-on uh kind of scream style sort of meta uh about a bunch of kids at university who are film students making a film based on what happened in the first one they're making their own urban legend film and then cast members start getting killed off it's it's yeah it goes too far with it's kind of being like meta upon meta upon meta right okay that's fair i mean like me being the completest that i am now i've seen one of them i will almost certainly try and watch the other two (laughs) (laughs) uh, no i don't know anything about bloody mary either kate all i know is kate mara's your lead in that and i generally think she's pretty good wow yeah there you go you never know then you never know did you know on a slightly off topic that mike flanagan who made the haunting of hill house and all those great horror things recently he's doing an i know what you did last summer movie next year no ways really yeah which is kind of it i mean i would i would not have been excited for another i know what you did last summer movie but because it's made by this guy i think oh who made gerald's game and yeah absolutely you know you just think oh surely he's gonna He's going to get it right. That's, yeah. we've, that's we've really said it on, interesting. We've said it on the show before. We generally think he's probably one of the best horror directors working now. He is. He's. I, I feel like he is our new Wes Craven or somebody like that. Yeah. You know, he gets it right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. I think he's great. I'm. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, I'll be there for yeah. that opening night for sure. Oh hell yeah! Bring yeah. back the slasher. Definitely. I think it's geo rejuvenation. Yeah. So you would suggest then that people, Mitch, that people hunt down Urban Legend and give it a, give it a second watch because oh. I feel like it is a film that's kind of got lost in the shuffle a wee bit. I agree, and yeah, I definitely would. I feel like like I say, I mean, I've I've spoken about the elements of the film where I feel like it kind of loses a little bit of steam and stuff like that, but I don't think that it's ever for so long that I stop really enjoying it. Like, um, I I I think it's well worth a second look. It's a really good pick for this as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i would recommend it to people as well i think it i think it is probably one of the lesser known ones i think uh when you think of that kind of post scream era people may have heard of it on what you did last summer and obviously halloween h2o and the faculty and a couple of others but i think you know out of out of some of the really shit ones that came out after scream i think this is definitely one of the better ones yeah uh, yeah i would definitely agree with that because a good amount of them were frankly terrible oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although i do have a bit of a soft spot for cherry falls Oh, I love Cherry Fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike, before we finish up, uh, you want to talk a little bit about um, anything that you're working on right now or talk a bit about Evolution of Horror? Well, I think talking about Evolution of Horror is probably yeah. a good thing, Mitch. Um, Mike, I, and I know I said to you before we started the recording, I, I love Evolution of Horror. I think it's great. How long have you been going for now? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been going for about a year, just yeah. over a year. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, I mean, so basically, it's a it's a, it's a horror podcast. We kind of look in depth at uh, the horror, the whole history of the horror genre, really. But we do it in kind of picking apart different subgenres one at a time. So we did a whole series of episodes on slashers, and we talked about different slasher movies week by week. And then we did ghost movies, and then we did folk horror. And now we're doing zombie Zombies. movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's really great. And each week, I'm joined by a different guest, and a lot of them are. A lot of them are amazing, clever people, uh, critics and filmmakers and people like that. And uh, yeah, so people that really know their stuff. So if you're into horror, uh, definitely check it out. It's on iTunes and all the usual places. It's called The Evolution of Horror. And I think early on, Mitch, uh, if I recall correctly, back when we were kind of early on doing podcast recommendations in the minisode, I think 
actually evolution of horror was the first one i recommended i believe that's true yeah yeah oh thank you very much amazing no problem at all um and you've had some absolutely amazing guests yeah i've been so lucky i mean i think what helped what helped was you know getting a bit of critical heft uh in the first few that i did i got uh horror journalist kim newman on, on on the very first episode um so i think that was what straight away got it a bit of a bit of an audience you know and uh so i was very lucky that he he just said yes and said yeah i'll, I'll do it i sent him a random email and uh he was like yeah come over and we'll record it and i went to kim newman's fucking house and, uh, <laughs> i and, imagine uh, kim newman lives in a castle i know right yeah it's uh, it's amazing it was pretty much as you'd expect i mean it's not a castle but it's like a london flat and it's got all that it, we go inside and it's just bookshelves and horror memorabilia and oh it's so cool i could have just spent hours in there looking around but yeah so i had yeah kim newman and uh, chris hewitt from the empire podcast and helen yeah. o'hara lots of cool film critics but then also a few filmmakers andy nyman alice lowe reese smith steve pemberton have all been on it uh, a lot of really amazing people have been very lucky so yeah um definitely if you're a fan of any kind of horror filmmakers out there um that, that there's hopefully uh, a few recognizable names that have appeared on the podcast before we go where can people find you and Evolution Horror on social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at EvolutionPod. Nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Excellent. Mike, thanks so much for taking time to do this. This has been a blast. Yeah. No, um, no problem. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. I love the, I love getting the chance to talk about Urban Legend. Yeah, I'm, I'm very <laughs> glad to have revisited it, actually. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, very glad. Mike, thank you so much, and we'll see you in Glasgow. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See you. Cheers, man. So always nice to revisit Urban Legend. Very much so, very much so. And I'm so glad it's a film you've actually seen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's definitely a novelty. Um, Wonders will never cease. Indeed, yeah. And a big thank you to Mr. Mike Munzer of the Evolution of Horror podcast uh, joining us to talk about that one. What a great guy. Yeah, a great guy and a great show. And I would absolutely urge people to check it out. Yeah, get on that. Yeah. But that's all we have time for, once again. Done. Yeah, rolls around quick. Knocking them off. Yeah. However, speaking of things that roll around quick, Monday will be here before you know it, and we will be back with another mini-sode. Yeah, all the usual nonsense that you've come to expect, all the other stuff plus Mitch's pitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like everyone just suffers through the first two-thirds of it for Mitch's pitches and the guest and film announcement. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fair enough but yeah but we will be back uh, yeah feedback Shockwaves 100 we'll be talking about what we've been watching all that stuff Mitch's pitches and we will announce the guest in film that'll be Monday in the meantime get in touch with us if you'd like yeah Facebook and Instagram we're Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email scenes at gmail.com Andy yeah where can people listen to us many places Mitch Stitcher iTunes Spotify Acast TuneIn Google Podcasts and Podbean and many many more yeah. big love by the way to Podbean yeah yeah our hosts doing yeah. great work still killing it yeah. Um, yeah and if you are listening to us on any of those platforms uh, please do consider dropping us a wee like share subscription all that kind of stuff uh, it really does make a big difference so we're back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.